Well, I'm so glad that you all are here today, and I believe God's got a special word for all of our hearts. We had a good time in the 9 a.m. service, and we're going to talk about what child is this that was born on that holy night so long ago. I'm sure many of you have great Christmas men- memories when you were a child. Uh, hopefully you have some good ones. I know we ha- I have lots. Many of our memories were centered around Jesus and around going to church and being in Christmas pageants and all of those things. I remember many times as a little girl, my ambition was to be Mary. But most of the time, rightly so, I got the cast of the angel. But you know, what can I say? <laughs> the speaking part. But anyhow, I do remember one particular Christmas that I want to talk to you about it was way, 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 way long ago in the year 1960. And I happened to be six years old in 1960, so I'll help you out if you want to know. I'm 61 years of age, and I know that all of you are shocked, and we could go on and on about how I don't look 61, but that's not the point of the message. The point of the message is in 1960, on December 22nd, our family was blessed with a bouncing baby boy. We already, I have two older sisters. I have one, uh, two brothers. Ricky had already been born. Most of you know my brother, Ricky. He's been here ministering. He's three years younger than I am. But I also have a baby brother named Randy Jean. Ricky is Ricky Dean and Randy Jean. And Randy Jean was born December 22nd. 1960 and my mom and my baby brother came home from the hospital on Christmas Day I remember it so distinctly how excited I was because I looked at this little baby brother and I thought about these gigantic dolls that we had back in the day and I thought wow those doll clothes are going to fit on him perfectly (laughs) and I couldn't wait Till I could play with this real live baby, which I did. Put him in my little baby stroller and all. I just remember. And my mom, was, she was watching over him, but she let us play with my baby brother. And I looked forward to the day when I could make him mud pies and tell him how delicious they were. I did that too. And he was a lot more cooperative than Ricky. Ricky was always kind of a rascal, but Randy's just a sweet little guy. He did whatever his older sister said, a dream, baby brother. It was awesome. So I was thinking about that. What a great Christmas gift to have a little baby born into your household. Many of you stood that you you were December birthdays. I'm sure you brought great joy to your family being born in the month of December. But as I was thinking about that, I'm thinking about there's nothing more exciting than the birth of a new baby. The Nagosas have their new little one here. What is he? Not even two weeks, maybe. Two weeks old, not quite. One week old. Wow, that's awesome. And her family came from Peru because they're excited to celebrate the birth of this new little baby. There's nothing more exciting. But I know when it when a child is born, sometimes the grandparents of, or the you know the aunts and the uncles they can't all be there. So they call you up on the phone, and the first thing they want to ask is, who do they look like? What color are their eyes? Do they have any hair? They want a description of what this newborn baby looks like. 
I remember when both of our boys were born, and particularly when our oldest son, John, was born. Nobody needed to ask, who does he look like or who's his daddy? He was stamped by his daddy. That, when he was born and I looked at that little face and looked at Mark, I'm like, what? He had his exact features, the shape of his face, and unfortunately, his big head. Because all of you, all you mamas know what I'm talking about there. But, <laughs> oh, sorry, I couldn't help. He said he thought I wasn't going to do that this time. After all those sweet, kind words he said about me. But as you can tell, Pastor grew into his head, and so did Mark. I mean, so did John, so it's a good thing. They're all balanced out now. It's a good thing. <laughs> so when we're talking about babies, maybe some of you don't uh, know this, but it's pretty cool. We have two sets of 23 chromosomes each in our body. We get 23 from our mom and 23 from our dad. Whether we like it or not, who we are comes from mama and comes from daddy. On my dad's side, pretty much everybody has brown hair and dark eyes and they're really tall. My father was six foot two and he was one of the shorter ones in his family. My uncles were really tall on his side of the family. On my mother's side of the family, pretty much everybody has blue eyes and, or, or green eyes, blue or green eyes, and they're really short. Daddy was 6'2", Mama was 5'2". So as you can see, I got the color of my eyes from my mother's side of the family, and I'm thankful I got some height from my dad's side of the family. So that's who we are. We're made up of these chromosomes from our dad and from our mother. But I want to talk to you about the Lord Jesus Christ. He had characteristics from his mother's side, but he had a lot of characteristics from his heavenly father as well. Think about this. On his mother's side, he was the son of man. On his father's side, he was the son of God. On his mother's side, some would say he was ordinary. On his father's side, he was extraordinary. On his mother's side, he said, I'm hungry. On his father's side, he fed the multitudes. On his mother's side, he was humanity. On his father's side, he was deity. On his mother's side, he died at age 33. But on his father's side, he is the ancient of days who lives forever and ever. On his mother's side, he got his body. On his father's side, he got his blood. The, we are, we, when we are born, our blood type comes from our father. And Joseph, even though he raised Jesus in the natural here on this earth, Joseph was not his father. We know the Bible tells us that Jesus was conceived of a virgin, that the Holy Spirit overshadowed Mary, and the child that was conceived in her was from God above. God is his heavenly father. And Jesus got his blood from his heavenly father. He got royal blood in his veins. He got blood that is holy in his veins. He got precious blood, sinless blood, pure blood. His blood was pure. And that's why it could be shed and purchased our redemption. He got his characteristics 
from his heavenly Father. And he even, he got his name from his heavenly Father. When you are, when you are born and your mom and dad are, are married and your mother has taken your father's name, the child gets the name of the Father. Jesus has the name of his heavenly Father. This is pointed out in Isaiah chapter 9, verse 6. I love this passage of Scripture. Let's look at it together. Isaiah 9, 6. For unto us a child is born. Unto us a son is given. And his name will be called. Let's read this together. Wonderful, Counselor, Mighty God, Everlasting Father, and the Prince of Peace. Jesus was born royalty. He was born to rule and to reign, not on a natural throne, but He was born to rule and to reign in the hearts of men and women. He is the King of kings, and He is the Lord of lords. Can you agree with me that He is wonderful? He's the mighty God. He's the everlasting Father. He's our counselor. He's a very present help in time of need. He gives us answers when we don't know what to do. He is the Prince of Peace. One translation of this passage says, He's the Prince of Wholeness. I have a question for you. Do you need some peace today? Do you have some areas in your life where there is some brokenness? Do you need to be made whole? He's the prince of wholeness. He came to set men free. He came to redeem us, spirit, soul, and body. He came to give us shalom, shalom. Shalom means nothing missing and nothing broken. Complete wholeness. That's who he is. That's what he came to do. Hallelujah. And you know, when Jesus was born on this earth, there weren't very many people that knew who had actually been born. They were unaware that the Savior of the world had come into the scene. But I like how the Bible points out two different groups of people that knew who he was, that the revelation came to. One is the shepherds. Another is the wise man. We won't expound on either one of these groups for sake of time, but we will just point out that through these two groups, Jesus came to be revealed as the Savior for all mankind. It doesn't matter your race, your creed, your genealogy, your social status. None of that matters. Whosoever will can call on the name of the Lord and be saved. So let's just look for a moment. What happened when he appeared to those shepherds on that holy night so long ago? Luke chapter 2 verse 8. We'll begin reading there. Now there were in the same country shepherds living out in the fields, keeping watch over their flock by night. And behold, an angel of the Lord stood before them, and the glory of the Lord shone around them, and they were greatly afraid. But then the angel said to them, 
Do not be afraid, for behold, I bring you good tidings of great joy, which shall be to all people. I think that's a good place for us to raise our hands and thank the Lord. Good tidings of great joy for all people. Hallelujah. Then the angel went on and said, For there is born to you this day in the city of David a Savior who is Christ the Lord. And this will be a sign to you. You shall find the babe wrapped in swaddling clothes lying in a manger. And suddenly there was with the angel a multitude of heavenly hosts Praising God and saying, let's read this together, verse 14. Glory to God in the highest and peace on earth. And on earth peace, goodwill toward men. Hallelujah. Glory to God in the highest. What a moment. What a time. The first thing the angel said to them is don't be afraid. No fear for your Savior is here. Did you know other than Christianity, every other religion is based on fear. Based on you have to obtain salvation. You have to earn salvation entrance into heaven you have to work 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 you have to do more and if you aren't good enough and if you don't do enough too bad so sad you're going to hell i mean that's basically it fear all about us what we have to do but my bible says in ephesians chapter 2 verse 8 thank god we're not we are for by grace Are you saved? Not of works, lest any man should boast. It is the gift of righteousness. Another good place to say thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Jesus, for saving us. It's not about what we have done or haven't done. It's about what he did. Hallelujah. And we receive this free gift of salvation by grace, glory, be to God. That's good news. That's why the angel said, I'm bringing you good news. I'm bringing you good tidings of great joy. The gospel is supposed to be good news. It's not supposed to beat people up and condemn them and push them down. The gospel is a gospel that lifts people up. And over in Psalms 3, 3, it says he's the glory and he's the lifter up of our heads. Jesus came to lift us out of the pit. Jesus came to lift us out of bondage, to lift us out of fear, lift us up out of sin, lift us up out of sickness and disease. I think that's why the angel said, I got good news. It's a tiding of great, great joy. Hallelujah. 
It's not a message of fear. Can you imagine that night? The angels were like, whoa, what's happening here? God wrapped up his only begotten son in flesh and he's giving them, giving him to the world. That's the message of salvation. That's the gospel. It is good news. (coughs) People in the world, I believe they're just fed up with hearing bad news. I mean, it's time, many times, you just got to turn the TV off and say, okay, enough bad news. I'm going to get saturated in the good news. I think the media, I think Hollywood needs to wake up. People want some happy ending movies. That's why I like Hallmark. People (laughs) People want some good news. This time of the year, I don't want to go and even watch a movie and have the bad guys win. No, good news. Hallelujah. I think even, you know, with Pastor and I kind of this year, we got into watching this. It's a competition called The Voice. I don't know if you watched it or not. It's just a, a little music competition. And it was just interesting to me. The person who won and the little girl who came in second, I believe they're both Christians. I don't know their spiritual status, but I know the little girl, she sang, the first song she sang was in the garden. And the guy who won, his one of the first songs that he sang that went off of the charts was Hallelujah. Woo! And then the last night of the competition, they've got these coaches that tell them, you know, you should sing this or shouldn't sing this. And they told them, you can sing a Christmas carol. Well, the man, the young man who won, he said, I'm going to sing Mary, Did You Know? And his coach, they interviewed him and he said, I don't, I don't know that song. And I don't think you should sing that song. If you want to win, you shouldn't sing that song. And this young man said, no, I'm going to sing it. It means a lot to me. He sang, Mary, Did You Know? Amen. Went out over the airways. Millions of people watching it. Millions of people hearing the salvation message in Mary, Did You Know? And he won the competition. Like I said, I don't know what his spiritual status is, but God used him to proclaim the message of Christmas. Hallelujah. The message of good news. The message of hope. The world wants to hear the hope. They want to hear something good. Hallelujah. Thank God we can be people that carry the good news. We ought to be like the angels proclaiming, Glory to God in the highest. We got a good message to tell you. It's a message for all people, and it is a message of great joy. So these shepherds that were out there, and the angels appeared to them, they were Jewish guys. But they were also uneducated and low in society. They were out in the field. They weren't rich people. They were out there having to watch these sheep at night. They had the night shift going on. But you know, it's significant that these little sheep and these little lambs that they were watching, they were right there next to the temple. They were probably the sheep and the lambs that were going to be used in sacrifice. 
in the temple. And Jesus, the angel, chose to tell them that Jesus had been born. These little sheep and lambs that were sacrificed on a regular basis, all they did, their blood covered the people's sin. It sufficed their sin for just a little while, but they had to continually offer a sacrifice. But the Lord Jesus, I believe his birth was announced to them because the angel was saying, okay, shepherds, you're about to be out of a job because this is what's going to happen. The Lamb of God has come into the world. And His blood will only need to be shed once. And His blood will enter into the Holy of Holies and it will forever cry, Holy, Holy, Holy. His blood is going to be shed and it will forever cry, They're cleansed. They're redeemed. 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 Hallelujah. So it's important to note that's why I believe they, He appeared to the shepherds. And then there was another group of folks, the wise men. The wise men were wealthy. They came in a caravan. There weren't three of them. There was probably hundreds of them coming in a caravan. They were wealthy, but they were non-Jewish people. And they came from afar away. Let's look at Matthew chapter 2 and hear their story. Matthew chapter 2, verse 1. Now, after Jesus was born in Bethlehem of Judea in the days of Herod the king, behold, wise men from the east came to Jerusalem, saying, Where is he who has been born king of the Jews? I find that interesting. They weren't Jewish, but they knew He had been born king of the Jews. And it had been revealed to them his birth. That was saying, you can get in on this too. He didn't just come for the Jews. He came for the Gentiles. You and I are Gentiles. He came for whosoever will. For we have seen his star in the east. And we have come to worship him. Now most scholars will agree that they came from Persia modern-day Iraq, which was a 900-mile journey. It would have taken them several months, maybe a couple of years to get there. They did not arrive at the time of his birth. They weren't actually at the manger. But you know what? Don't get a ball humbug spirit. Don't get hung up on that. I remember a few years ago I heard a guy preaching, and I thought, really? I mean, he was like he was mad, and he was like, The wise men were not at the manger scene. The wise men weren't there. Just read your Bibles. It took them a long time to get there. And I'm thinking, what is the deal? You want me to put them in the garage? You know, they're on the way. If that's what we got to do. But you know what? I think they deserve a front row seat because they came. They came. It doesn't matter how long it took them to get there. They saw the sign and they came and they worshipped him. Hallelujah. You leave those little guys in your manger scene. It's representative, I believe, that Jesus came. He came for the good, the bad, the poor, the rich, the ugly, the good-looking. Hallelujah. Whosoever will. 
And they represented that we're to come. We're to worship Him. And we are to give Him our very best. They came and they gave Him their very best. Look at verse 11 of Matthew chapter 2. And when they had come into the house, they saw the young child with Mary his mother. And they fell down and they worshipped him. And when they had opened their treasures, they presented to him gifts of gold, frankincense, and myrrh. I love to hear the Christmas story through the eyes or through the mouth of a child. There was this little boy that came home. He was, just heard the Christmas story, and he was excited to tell his parents what he learned in Sunday school. He said, Mom, there were these guys that came from a long ways away, and they brought baby Jesus gifts. They brought him gold, Frankensteins, and Smurfs. <laughs> he was excited. Maybe he was into Smurfs. Who knows? That he, they gave him such awesome gifts. But it's a good reminder to us to keep that childlike spirit at Christmas. I remember, you know, I talk about Olivia. She's our six-year-old granddaughter. We now have three, one who's eight months, one who's almost nine months as well. But a few years ago, when uh, John and Lindy were at our house, it was Thanksgiving, they were getting ready to leave. And I'm thinking, oh, I don't want them to leave just yet because I I wanted to have Livy help me put out some Christmas stuff. So I went and got my manger scene. I had this manger scene I had for many years. The characters are, are big porcelain characters. So we were getting that out and I'm taking them out. The wise men, the shepherds, I'm telling her all of these people were present at the birth of Jesus. And so then we get to the last little character and it was baby Jesus. And I said, now Liv, she was three years old at the time. This is baby Jesus. I put him in her hand. She said, baby Jesus? She kept saying, baby Jesus? Yes, baby Jesus. Put him in the manger. So then they leave. They go home. The next day I get a call from John, and he proceeds to tell me. He says, you know, Mom, Liv's been, she's three years old. She hasn't been wanting to sleep in her own bed for a while. She'd get up during the middle of the night, and he'd wake up. He says, kind of creepy, wake up, and she's standing there staring at him, you know. (laughs) Not crying, just staring at him. And she even said to him one night, Dad, it's not fair. I have to sleep by myself, and you get to sleep with Mom. So, I mean, she just really wanted to get in bed with him. So he's trying to, you know, wean her of that and teach her. So he said, we have been telling her, you don't have to be afraid to sleep in your bed. You are never alone. You're not alone. Jesus is with you. He said she'd been doing pretty good. So that night they came home from our house. Here she is again, standing by the bed staring at him in the middle of the night. He's like, Olivia, you need to go back to your bed. Remember, you're not alone. Jesus is with you. She goes, yeah, Dad, what good is that? Grammy says he's a baby now. (laughs) So John is like, thanks a lot, Grammy. I said, well, look. Y'all were in a hurry to leave. I only had time to tell her about baby Jesus. I didn't have time to give her the whole salvation plan. (laughs) Part B to follow. You know what I mean? But the eyes of a child, the things they come up with. But that's been three years ago, but that has so stuck with me. And I think about it often, that that is really how many people still see Jesus. 
They're fine that we celebrate Christmas. They think it's cool that there's a manger scene and a little baby Jesus asleep on the hay away in the manger. But they have that same kind of thought that Livy had to get over. But how can he possibly help me? How can he help me with my problems? How can he make a difference in my life? He's just a little baby asleep on the hay. Folks, that's not who he is. We don't minimize his supernatural entry into the world. We don't minimize that he was truly born of a virgin. Thank God that he was or he could not have redeemed us. But Jesus did not stay a baby. I have a question for you today. What child is this? Who is he to you? Is he still in your thinking a little baby? Or has he grown up to be your deliverer? To be your savior? To be the one who died for you? To be the one who shed his precious blood for you? To be the one who came to set men free? Hallelujah! I believe today that the Holy Spirit, Jesus, is asking some of you the same question that he asked his disciples when he was here on the earth. He was questioning them. He wanted to see if they had a revelation of who he truly was. Let's look at this account over in Matthew chapter 16. And we'll begin reading at verse 13. When Jesus came into the region of Caesarea Philippi, he asked his disciples, saying, Who do men say that I, the Son of Man, am? And their response is quite interesting. Next verse. So they, he asked them, Who do men say that I am? So they said, Well, some say you're John the Baptist, risen from the dead. Some say you're Elias. Others say you're Jeremiah. Or just one of the prophets. Then he got real personal. Okay, that's what they are saying. But who do you say that I am? How many people in the world say the same thing today? Oh, Jesus was a good guy. Jesus was a prophet. Jesus was a good teacher. He was those things. But he was much, much more than that. Who? Do you say that I am? And Simon Peter, you know, he gets a bad rap. He did, he denied the Lord. He did some bad things, I guess. But at this moment, he's the one who stood up and he said, You are the Christ, the Son of the living God. And I love it because in the other previous verse, Jesus said, Who do men say that I, the Son of Man, He knew that most people were seeing him in the flesh, the son of man, the son of Mary. But Peter had the revelation, you are the son of the living God. He knew who he really was. He knew what he came to do. He knew he was the Messiah born in the flesh. Hallelujah. Men today will have all sorts of opinions and explanations about who he is. But the question really doesn't, it doesn't matter what men say. Who do you say that he is? Is he your savior? 
Is He your Lord? Is He your healer? Is He your deliverer? Is He your comforter? Is He your standby? Hallelujah. Is He your counselor? Is He your prince of peace? Do you call Him wonderful? Savior, King of kings, Lord of lords, the mighty God, the everlasting Father. Jesus is not a baby anymore. When he was born, when the angels announced his entry into this earth, there was great celebration in the heavens. And I tell you around Christmas time, Particularly, we who know who he really is, we ought to celebrate the birth of our Lord and Savior. We read over there in Luke chapter 2, and let's just go back there real quickly, because sometimes we just think there was one angel that said, Oh, we're bringing you good tidings of great joy unto all people. But that's not where the story ended. Luke chapter 2, verse 13. Let's look at it again. And suddenly there was with the angel a multitude, a multitude of heavenly hosts praising God and saying, verse 14, let's read it together, Glory to God in the highest and on earth peace will toward men. This doesn't sound like to me that this was a silent praise in their heart. It doesn't sound like the angels were standing there like, well, let's not make any noise. No, they were, whoa, glory to God. God has reached down to man. God has sent his very best. This is something to rejoice about. This is something to make some noise about. This is something to be excited about. Hallelujah. A multitude, it says, of heavenly hosts. The sky was filled with a host of angels. Woo! Let's say it together again, saying, Glory to God in the highest, and on earth peace and goodwill toward men. Can you imagine that sight? Hallelujah! Can you imagine the celebration those shepherds must have experienced? It was freedom. It was saying Jesus has come to set mankind free. Think about it. How many thousands of years it had been since Adam and it had been prophesied that a Messiah is on his way and all of a sudden the angels are saying the day of your freedom is here, hallelujah. The day of your liberation from sin and bondage is here. Get happy. Celebrate. Hallelujah. Freedom has a sound to it. I heard an illustration or story recently. It just blessed me. In the southern part of our country, in North Carolina, there's a huge Air Force base. And next to this, on this Air Force base, there's a landing strip that runs parallel with the highway. And they have this gigantic sign 
on the highway. And it says, pardon the noise. It's the sound of freedom. Woo! Pardon the noise. It's the sound of freedom. When those F-16 jets take off and land there, there's a rumbling in the heavens. There's a sound in the heavens. And they want people that are driving on that highway, don't be alarmed. It's the sound of freedom. Hallelujah. We as believers here, even in our church, I think we ought to put up some signs. Don't be alarmed. It's the sound of freedom. We've been set free from the curse of the law. We've been set free from the bondage of sin. We got something to shout about. We should at least be doing as good as the angels did when they said, Glory! Glory! Woo! Glory! 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 A Savior has been born. As a matter of fact, let's stand up and practice. Glory! Make a sound of freedom. Make some noise. Woo! Our Savior has been born. Woo! Hallelujah! It's the sound of freedom. He came to liberate us. He came to set us free. Hallelujah! <laughs> Woo! Thank you, Lord. We celebrate your birth. We celebrate your entrance. Hallelujah! <laughs> Woo! Glory to God. Can you just do that a little bit longer? Glory! Glory to God in the heights. Glory to God in the heights. Glory to God in the highest. We shout with the voice of triumph. We shout with the voice of victory. Hallelujah. He set us free. He delivered us. He redeemed us. He healed us. Hallelujah, Jesus. We celebrate your entrance into this earth. We celebrate your entrance into our lives. Hallelujah. Glory be to God. Hallelujah. Woo. Glory to God. 